0: You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. The Good Fight is known for creating story content inspired by recent headlines. In this episode, co-creators and executive producers, Michelle and Robert King, along with series stars, Christine Baranski and Audra McDonald, join Washington Post Live to discuss the series'
1: success in tackling social justice issues through its creative portrayal of current events. Let's listen. Good afternoon, I'm Jonathan Capehart, opinion writer for The Washington Post. Welcome to Washington Post Live. The good fight is known for weaving current events and thorny issues into its storylines, and the fifth season, which just finished a week ago today, is no different. Joining me right now are its co-creators, you see them there uh, just below me at the bottom, Robert and Michelle King, and its stars. Tony, and Emmy Award-winning actress Christine Baranski, and Tony, Emmy, and a Grammy Award-winning <clears throat> Award singer and actress Audra McDonald. Welcome to you all to Washington Post Live. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, Michelle and Robert, I, I, let me start with you because um, when I woke up this morning, the news seemed tailor-made to your show. Um, the news about the Supreme Court, (laughs) look at Robert, Robert's already there, the Supreme Court letting the restrictive Texas abortion law go into effect, and I immediately thought of the good fight. Are you already thinking of how to work this into season six, and how do you decide which headline or event is worthy of a storyline in the show? Uh, I'll, I'll answer for myself.
2: I mean, I was thinking about it in bed this morning too, and the answer was, yes, I'm thinking about how to do it. But I don't know how to do it in a way that doesn't seem so obviously evil. That <laughs> usually we prefer storylines with some gray in it. And I'll be damned if I can find the gray here. But Robert, perhaps you can. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We're uh,
3: at night. At night, we hear our cell phones ding, and then we reach for it and go, oh, shit, oh, shit. <laughs> so there's always something that is like, oh, that's a point. I think it's the bounty. Uh, the law as bounty hunters is, is crazy, and a little bit like what we did with this you know, court that is out on its own creating its own law. There's this difficulty of this balkanization of the law in America that is uh, scary, even r- irrespective of abortion. I don't quite know how the Supreme Court lets this ride because it just, you know, I'm sorry, that's too much politics and not enough entertainment.
1: So Well, you know what? Well, let me um, ask you this then. Um, Because Michelle, you just said, you know, there's not enough gray in the Texas story. I'm wondering, um, were there headlines or storylines in the past that were big conversation in the nation, but you passed on weaving them into the show because there wasn't enough gray.
2: Uh, The the one area that we find very difficult to find gray is immigration. We've done a few immigration stories, but they risk becoming earnest very quickly.
3: The real thing we're against is preaching to the choir and that there's a real tendency in shows or in subjects that you can't find both sides of, because what's great in the show is that people usually are arguing both sides of an issue.
1: Mm Mm-hmm, and we're gonna get to, and that's especially so when you get to issues of race and gender and class in the show. But Christine, I wanna come to you, still sticking to the Supreme Court, because in season five, you literally have fireside chats with RBG, (laughs) with, with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. How do you think a conversation with her would go today, given given the news from the Supreme Court?
4: Well, I read Justice Sotomayor's uh, um, dissent at about three o'clock in the morning, and I think uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg would pretty much articulate that she would be appalled. Uh, um, But yes, I, I we have Elaine May playing. Uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg so it's a, it's a double treat to have that intellect in play as a character and as an actress so I hope we get to it next season but you know uh the news is just traveling so fast now that that today's story it could be so much worse or it could change you know in in another few months so you know the the Kings are brilliant at at, at not only keeping a pace but almost looking to the future where these arguments are going um
1: you know it's a, it's, sorry christine finish your thought no 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 i am finished. oh okay <laughs> so since we since i brought up the fireside chats between you and rbg let's show one of those fireside chats have a watch
4: that's you telling me what i want to hear
1: you
2: want to know what i really think
4: i do tell me
2: All my life, I was told to step aside. I was in law school, I had a baby, and I was told I should step aside so that a man could take my position. I was told to step aside when Jimmy Carter appointed me to the Court of Appeals. And the same with the Supreme Court. Here's the thing. Don't step aside because someone wants you to. Don't step aside for politics. Men are always asking women to step aside so a man can go first.
4: Even though I'm being asked to step aside so that a black person can take my place?
2: Can you still do something for women? Yes. <laughs> then do it.
1: <laughs> and so that's, that scene is um, about um, your character, Christine, asking rbg what she should do because the law firm is talking about removing you as partner be- because you're white it is a black law uh, black law firm um and this is part of the the you know it gets to the heart of some of the central themes of the show race and white privilege i would love to know from your vantage point how that storyline hits you
4: Well, you know, to play the character, I had to live that thought process and that emotional process. And Diane, being always the good fighter, she that that is her character she she strives to take moral high ground. I think she clearly knows she's on the wrong side of history here. <laughs> but she always her fight was always from place of being the underdog as a woman. So she Really wants to hold on to her job based on the fact that she has fought the good fight her whole life. I mean, women have been an underclass since you know the time they exited the cave. So uh, she she feels that she was she fought for for decades uh, against ageism and against uh, her gender discrimination, and she achieved what she achieved by virtue of fighting and her hard work and her and her achievements, and I had to firmly wrap my mind around that, that 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 was where she was coming from, because Mm. it's very interesting to have a leading lady who at this moment in time just seems to be "Mm," on the wrong side of the argument. (laughs) (laughs) And you know... Yeah, a lot of searching, and I I did have a lot of emails exchanged between uh, Robert and Michelle and myself saying, "Mm," you know help me out here, you know, help me over, over the cliff here. You understand? clearly, I need to justify this. I need to, I need to act this material. And then of course I have my brilliant acting partner, uh, Audra, uh, to talk to and, and to figure out how to do those scenes where we don't fall into cliches and, 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 and show that level of respect and trying to work through what is a very difficult dilemma for these, for, for Diane and, and for Liz?
1: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, andre pick, pick pick up that pick up that thread. How are those conversations with Christine in you know with with her character?
0: Well, I you know the conversations are you know are multi-layered because on the one hand we understand that that as actresses these are and these are roles that we have to portray and these are roles that we have to you know imbue with a sense of truth and and um uh you know understand the motivation behind what they're doing and and because christine and i are are friends there's a uh, you know it was very difficult i think to do the one big fight we have where they you know are throwing f-bombs at each other and say and one is trying to say you don't get to do this you don't get to be the head of a black firm as a white mm-hmm. woman, you don't get that, you know? Um, because Christine and I kind of know and understand each other's politics. And I think we're we're very much on the yeah. same page with a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, um, it, it, it was painful. So the personal part is it, it's, it's painful to do that, you know, even though it's what we're paid to do as actresses, we're paid to do that and go on these journeys. Um, but uh, um, from a character standpoint, I think, what Robert and Michelle have done with these two characters is, again, have gone to the gray. Liz understands Diane's fight, and she understands where Diane's coming from as a woman, as a woman in this field, as a woman in, in, you know, working in these powerful circles and trying to stay in these powerful circles and trying to advance their cause. Liz understands that. But Liz is also a Black woman, so she also understands that struggle and understands that in the hierarchy, even though women are at the bottom, black women are at the very bottom, and so mm-hmm. um it's it, so there's gray because Liz is also trying to protect Diane at the same time she's trying to carve out a space for her, but at the same time understanding that um there's a reckoning that's happening, and she needs to uh, defend understand that, and help clear the space for black people as well so It's a a lot of messy gray. And what I loved about what Robert Michelle did in the middle of that intense, tense fight, flip it on its head and bring real life into it or crazy life into it because that's the world we're living in right now and have this sort of misunderstanding where all of a sudden the world thinks that they're lovers. And so the spat is about (laughs) Diane... And Liz being lovers, so, I mean, not that I wouldn't be Christine Bransky's lover, I mean, that's great, but just that it then turns into that, which is, that's, I mean, it's a it's a wild, it really... you know, twist, but it helps sort of take some of the tension out at the same time, you know, which was, mm-hmm. I think, a wonderful way to play it. And
4: tremendous humor, my God, I, as much as I... As tough as those scenes were, Audra, where we were confronting each other, I mean, it was just delicious to be with Dennis O'Hare and he's, he's you know, getting <laughs> as, you know, closet lesbians. I mean, it was just such a leap. It was, <laughs> deli- it was like, like having a lemon sorbet after scarfing down, you know, steak tartare. <laughs>
3: <laughs> wow. Even your I language like changes the way you lean towards each other and say, I, I don't We want to uh, share this, darling. (laughs) It was uh, very funny stuff. Yeah, go
4: ahead.
1: Go ahead, Christine, go ahead.
4: Well, what what I think Audra and I had discussions, and I think what's great is you see two women who really deeply respect each other, regardless of of their race, their gender. They are two professionals intelligent people who have enormous respect for each other's work and, and, and journey in life, and that somehow that was preserved all the way till the end of the episode 10 when, when Diane does say, okay, and the two women end as friends, and I think that's the biggest, most wonderful arc, that they maintain the integrity of their friendship. And at the same time,
0: grow, and they grow. They both grow. Mm -hmm. Diane takes a huge step for. I mean, that's a huge. That's a huge understanding, and um, that there's that there's growth and understanding
1: as well. Michelle or or Robert, were you jumping in? Yeah,
2: I was going to say I do not think this a story arc could have worked earlier than the fifth season of the show. Either you needed all those episodes for the audience to know and trust and like these characters to really mm. be able to see the gray in that argument because otherwise I I don't think I don't think it would work at all.
1: Yeah. Sorry. You know, that's actually th- that's a very good point, Michelle, and and is a good segue to the this clip that I that I want to show. I showed the clip of of um uh Diane with RBG, now and where um, gender and race comes up that Diane is working through. But Liz is working, she's trying to reconcile um, being a partner in a black law firm while having a white named partner whose husband is being investigated by the feds for being a part of the January 6th insurrection. And I want to show this clip of Liz and Diane talking about this
0: being harassed because he's defending your husband.
4: Well, that's unfortunate. We've represented people far worse than Kurt, who, by the way, was
0: found innocent. I'm not saying that he wasn't. But January 6th, I mean, we watched the Confederate flag make its way to the Capitol building. You know, it's people that Kurt didn't want to turn over to the FBI. Those people, they don't even want us alive. Not all of them.
4: I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. I'm certainly not defending those people. They're all despicable traitors.
0: And now that's what people are saying about Julius.
4: And me.
1: And so what I love about that scene, and it gets to what you were saying a moment ago, Michelle, about how the this story arc couldn't happen before season five. In watching that, it didn't, it didn't come off as, oh, they're throwing in this incredible headline from real life to make it part of the storyline, and therefore I'm watching these two people discuss it. It really did feel like I, under, I knew these two people, I knew where they were coming from, and they're having this really difficult conversation, but I think Christine, you were saying it before, but having this conversation, respect, tough, but respectfully. Um, and so I, I'm just wondering, um, maybe expand on this even more, Audra. It, is it really the fact that you and Christine are are friends? You know each other so well that you're able to pl- you're able to play these scenes. Do you think? that if you didn't know Christine as well as you do that you would be able to give that much gray in such an incredible performance
0: um i don't know the answer to that i i would imagine that you know when actors work together there has to be a a, a deep level of trust because there's a lot of you know really vulnerable places that you have to go to so I know that, you know, with the one, not the scene you showed, but the big fight that they have, because this conversation between Diane and Liz Mm -hmm. happens throughout the entire season. So it's a conversation that is taking months or yeah, months within the season to happen. Um, And so it, it's almost like a a couple, you know, working in in therapy or something. It's, it's, um, so when it it boiled over in that one episode, um, if I hadn't known Christine as well as I did, because it, I remember feeling after we did that that scene that night, Christine, and and tell me if you felt the same way, we we needed a moment to say, okay, we're okay, yeah, we're we're, we're on the same side here, because my ire, my everything in my solar plexus about how I feel about these issues was just right at the surface. And I had to take a moment to let all that go. Mm. Cause I know that, you know, cause I know Christine and I love Christine um, and I had to put it in a different place because it was coming up because, it, you know, again, Robert and Michelle are writing at a time when all this is happening, it's all real. <laughs> so these right. conversations are being had. And the passion is, you know, at its, you know, it's, it's at its height. So
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, it, it, without having that relationship and that trust and that understanding of who we are as people, as Christine and Audra, I, I think it would have been even more difficult to do that scene. Christine do you remember,
4: and... Audra, though, that the director wanted us to be very close together, like across yes. the table? almost like a visual, like black, white, confronting each other. And you and I Mm. both said, no, sorry, we're falling into a trope there. And um, we don't want to start that way. And we started in as reasonable, calm place as possible. And then it had its, it built on its own. We didn't presuppose a conflict. We were trying to. You can see Diane calibrating the argument. She so doesn't want to, you know, she knows she's walking on a very thin surface. And she, you know, I think the the brilliance of a lot of these scenes is it, it shows how difficult it is to talk about these issues, but these characters actually, of course, have to talk about them. And how do we talk about them? You know, how do we honestly get get to a place of communication and and i think you know the liz diane thing this season was was really just went in there and and tried to you know show it show the discomfort the vulnerability the respect the the passion as audra said that that flaming anger that you you know justifiable anger and and equal discomfort so yeah i was very proud that we dared to go there.
0: (laughs) I like to say about the Kings is they go right up to the third rail and they stomp on it. (laughs) They stomp on the third rail and then they walk over it and then they walk behind it and then they stomp on it again. And then the sparks fly. And that's what makes it exciting what they do. They're not afraid of that Mm -hmm. third rail. They go right to it. They um, just right. leave it to the actors to execute it,
1: though. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. right. And- <laughs> yeah. no, very
3: quick.
1: We go home. Oh, I'm sure they're doing <laughs> I'm sure it's... <laughs> but, I mean, Audra, to your point, they, they stomp on the third rail, but then they make us as the viewers watch it. Uh, and exactly. that's what I think is the most is the most amazing uh, part here. All right, we've got some audience questions, and Robert and Michelle... This one is from Lee from Colorado, and it has to do with coronavirus, which is, you know, sort of omnipresent uh, in the episode. But she, uh, okay. Lee asked this, how did you come up with the idea to have Frederick Douglass, Malcolm X, Jesus, and Karl Marx all debating such important issues inside Jay's head? As a long hauler myself, I found it both brilliant and fascinating. And I have to tell you, when, when those four, you know, one by one showed up, in the scene, I was just sort of like, wait, hold up. Wait a minute. He's talking to Frederick Douglass. Is this an old Soul Train commercial? What's happening? And then when the other three came in, I thought, OK, this is inspired. Where did that come from?
3: Uh, it started with the idea of uh, Niambi, who's this great actor who I don't think we use deeply enough, having visions because he's a long hauler. And we have a writer in our writers room, Oren Squire, who mentioned the Soul Train commercial, which I we weren't familiar with and he played it and it was it It started in ridiculousness the idea of grabbing something from an old soul train commercial which might be the last thing traveling through your brain as you die and then grabbing frederick Douglass from that and then what seemed obvious is dealing with the issues of today but in the voices uh, that come from niambi's youth one is his mom's influence with jesus you know college course bringing in Karl marx
2: and i think you brought in the rest i think
3: yeah, then, we right, yeah. we played off reality of this commercial, but then thought, let's bring in all these others, because, you know, obviously earnestness, it, COVID is obviously an earnest topic, but how mm-hmm. do you make it something that at least you defang it slightly in, and take some comedy into it? It's kind of like the way Audra and Christine are become lesbian at the end of that episode. You just start in something serious, but then move to something that's slightly ridiculous.
1: Okay, so on that, on, on that point, how do you know where the line is? How do you know that, you know, oh, this is crossing over into something that's going to get us in trouble, that's uh, not funny, that is insensitive? But in all these scenes we're talking about, it, they are extremely funny. I think we go there, and then, then in the editing room, if it's
3: offensive, we cut it. The the editing room gives you this last exit ramp from something that, you know, we don't think is working. But I think uh, our comedy bone, you know, I mean, look at Network or Hospital. You can't think of any shows or any movies that go further than Patty Chesky did in those. So I think there's a lot of room. And the world is more ridiculous now. The world is, you have to go, you have to paint with very bright colors to satirize what is an
1: unsatirizable world. Um, We have a a question for Audra, still on the the hallucination. And this comes from David from Connecticut, Audra. David wants to know, if Liz could have hallucinated any historical figure this year, (laughs) who would you choose? And who would you cast to play them?
0: If Liz could have hallucinated, ooh, historical figure. Um... Oh, that's such a good question! <laughs> I, I, oh my gosh, I don't even know. I mean, where, where to begin? Uh, Ida B. Wells. Um, uh, I mean, I thought she's still Michelle- with us. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Michelle Obama's still with us. I mean, <laughs> I mean, maybe we can get her. To you guess can still hallucinate her. <laughs> I know I could hallucinate her. Yeah, um, that's a good question. I. Uh, Fannie Lou Hamer. I'm, I'm trying to think of very mm-hmm. powerful uh, women who were, um, to- who talked, you know, talk about going up to the third rail um, and, you know, for, for very good reasons. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, Fannie and who would play her? Oh, my gosh! Yeah, Whoopi or Viola, or I don't know, Ruby D, get Ruby D to come back from beyond and play one of these characters.
1: yeah, yeah. that would that, that would be a, a hallucination yeah. right, right, right there. Christine, yeah, this is, a, this, this is a question. It's for I mean, it was addressed to Audra and I'm giving it to you because it involves you. Uh, this is a, a question from Laura from California, and apparently Audra once said she wanted to do a musical episode. Is there still a chance of that happening? At least give us an Audra-Christine duet. What do you think about that?
4: It would be such an honor for me to sing with Audra. We did Raspberry Beret, and that that to me was a career highlight, and and we were just practically muttering, riffing that, but yeah, I... uh, we can dream. Maybe in the final, you know, the series finale, yeah. when we all decide to pack it up, we'll just blow it out. And and we we have just innumerable great musical Tony-winning performers in the courtroom and as judges. And I mean, we just—it's yeah. a revolving door on great talent. But. Yeah, I mean, Audra and I singing a little priest or something in the courtroom. I don't know. You got to do something. Would be so much fun.
0: But again, Jonathan, our our boss, our bosses are right there. So you you got to talk to them. We've been pushing. Oh. So.
1: Okay, Robert and Michelle, what's the holdup? Why not? Uh, it could be a dream. It could be a dream sequence.
2: The holdup so, so hold is right here. I I would have done it the the first step. You know, in the pilot, oh. it would have happened. Oh, but in in defense of Robert there there is an, a problem with this which is how do you have Diane and Liz singing as well as Christine and Audra and not making their careers as that I mean it's it's a it's a problem dramatically actually
1: Wait a minute I'm not in TV I'm not a that? TV writer <laughs> <laughs> But Robert I mean, couldn't I mean, if it's a dream sequence, yeah, they could do
3: anything. You know I think our problem is so many shows do it that it mm. feels a little bit I don't want to say cheap because a lot of shows we respect to it, but I'll say cheap. It feels like a lot of people who grew up with musicals and the show is not, but you know what? I mean, we're gonna give in probably
1: at some point because we always or I always do so. <laughs> Um, um, w- one final question: um, What do you hope, um, and I, all of you go down the line? I'll start with you, Christine, because you're you're here over here, my this corner. In season six, is there a particular issue or topic you hope to jump into in season six?
4: Well, that's a biggie, but I I don't know. I'm, I'm sure everyone's feeling. Uh, existential threat at this point. Uh, what with What is going on with uh, our climate? I, I don't know how you make a series about climate change or impending doom without, you know, losing your audience. But I think by the time we go back to shooting, we're going to be addressing some really, we'll either find humor or we'll go dig very deep and I'm all I mean one of the reasons I have loved doing this character in this show for all these years is because you get to bring your present self your your self-awareness and your your sense of care about the world into the workplace and to stay on top of current events means you bring it into your character and into your work um I think I I hope things get better (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I just want more conversations with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who'll keep me sane, <laughs> and Elaine May.
1: <laughs> I think, Chrissy, that's guaranteed to happen. Real quickly, Audra.
0: Um, you know, I, I think I would, I would love to see them. I know COVID is a, is a lot, but it's still continuing to be with us, but I would love to, to see um, something that addresses just the, the, the emotional trauma um and the constant state of anxiety that we are all in and how it affects us in, on the most sort of mundane levels, like mm-hmm. them walking into the courtroom and not even remembering what they were doing. I find just the trauma from what's been happening and how it is affecting me in my just my everyday life with things, it would be an interesting thing to sort of um, discover because they're all mm-hmm. we're all going through it. Um and the more people I talk to about it, the more people are. So I would just like to see how that sort of infects
1: their everyday lives. And so Robert and Michelle, you've gotten your, your assignments. So season six, what, what are we gonna see?
2: Uh, we're gonna see exactly what they just told us to write. <laughs> <laughs> <But that's-
3: laughs> and the only thing I'd add is the bounties on perceived crimes, because I do think that is a way to get a rap. Anyway, you understand what I'm saying. The bounties on perceived mm-hmm. crimes, not even just as abortion, but on other issues, I think is a concerning issue.
1: And with that, not only are we out of time, we are over time. Robert and Michelle King, Christine Baranski, Andre McDonald, thank you so much for coming thank to Washington you. Post Live. Thank, thank you so you. much.
0: Thanks. <laughs> thank you.
1: And as Bye. always, thank you for tuning in. Remember, you can watch all five seasons of The Good Fight on Paramount+. Plus. In the meantime, Check out our upcoming interviews by going to WashingtonPostLive.com to register and find more information. I'm Jonathan Capehart. Thank you so much for watching Washington Post Live.
0: Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.